So there's some kind of like rules of thumb, which is you should be able to tell whatever the story is, you should be able to tell it around a campfire. You set up the surprise, and then you don't answer the surprise. You don't answer the mystery that the surprise has engendered immediately. You, you play it out. Greetings, and welcome to Content That Moves, the podcast from brand storytelling and credo nonfiction, where it's my distinct pleasure to interview the brightest minds in branded content creation who are out there telling the stories that make you actually feel something on behalf of brands. I'm your host, Jesse Raisler, the founder of Credo Nonfiction, where we partner with brands to find and tell stories that reveal brand purpose and deepen brand meaning in a way that traditional advertising just doesn't. This podcast is co-produced by Brand Storytelling, bringing you the latest news, trends, and insights in branded content with top of industry events and in-depth industry coverage online. Brand Storytelling encourages a higher level of collaboration amongst advertisers, agencies, media partners, and creators in pursuit of a richer media environment. For more of the latest in the world of branded content or to explore event offerings, visit brandstorytelling.tv today. Today on the show, Master Storyteller, and more specifically for our discussion, Master Story Finder, Joshua Davis, co-founder of Epic Magazine. Josh has come to the earth for real-life stories and turned dozens into articles, books, even celebrity vehicle films, some of which you've undoubtedly seen and loved. And he also seeks out stories on behalf of brands looking to create films that truly move their audience around a larger brand purpose. If you've been looking for some expert advice on where to go and what to look for in your story search, you're going to love this discussion. Joshua Davis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jesse. So, um, you know, you've been a journalist and author for more than 20 years, is it, that you've been publishing? Is that right? Yep, about 20 years now. Awesome. And stories for Wired, the New York Times, Fast Company, and it seems like during a lot of that time, you've gone out and found stories that spoke to you in some way and have led to, you know, in addition to your articles, uh, New York Times bestselling book, uh, dozens of articles that have sold to Hollywood to make movies and uh, a docu-series partnership with with J.J. Abrams. And so I'm, I'm hoping we can get into a lot of, you know, what we started to discuss um, recently on the, the brand storytelling art of story finding panel um, and even go deeper then we had an opportunity to do there. But before we do any of that, I'm hoping you can tell our audience the factors that led to you being named the 17th best arm wrestler in the world back in mm. 2001. And because I, I do think, uh, in addition to being in interesting, I think there's probably a lesson about curiosity uh, in there, you know, that can lead us all to be better storytellers and more precisely, better story finders. So I'd love to hear about well, that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, so 2001, I was working at the phone company in San Francisco as a data clerk, basically, typing, typing numbers into the computer. Mm -hmm. And it was not very fulfilling, <laughs> as you might imagine. <laughs> and so on the weekends, I would go try to do something different. And I had seen a flyer for the U.S. National Arm Wrestling Championship and I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, I didn't know that arm wrestling was an organized sport, <laughs> right. per se. I mean, I knew about Over the Top, the St Stallone movie. But I was just, my interest was piqued. And, and so I drove from San Fran to Laughlin, Nevada, 
and arrived and the the organizers were very nice and also kind of surprised that I was just there to be a spectator and they're like listen you've come all this way why don't you compete <laughs> I was like you know it's it's such an interesting welcoming sport to be honest yeah. it's not like you go to a baseball game and they're like oh thanks for coming why don't you you know take a few pitches on home plate right uh, for the A's, right? Like this is the national championship, right? It's like nobody shows up to the World Series and expects to play right. as a spectator. But so though they were like, look, it's I think it was twenty dollars and to enter, and I was like, okay, well, great, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. And uh, I was I was in the lightweight division, and uh, and I lost twice. <laughs> you know, it was <laughs> yeah. no big surprise, of course. Uh-huh. So anyway, it was all very interesting. And at the end of the event, I was just hanging out with some of the wrestlers when they started the award ceremony. And they started with the lightweight division. And I heard, I wasn't paying any attention, but I heard them say in fourth place in the United States, Joshua Davis, get on up here. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And I went up and they put a medal around my neck and they said, congratulations, you're fourth out of four. Yeah. Right. Uh, there were there were no others in the in the in the division, uh, and that made me an alternate for the U.S. national team. Oh my gosh! And when numbers uh, two and three couldn't make it to the world championship, they they went down the list, and there I was. And they're like, "Would you, you know, by that by their bylaws, they had to ask me." And and they said, "Would you like to go to Poland to represent America at the world championship?" And I was like. Absolutely. Oh it's gosh. like my it's my patriotic duty. <laughs> Amazing. So I, I went to Gdynia, Poland in the middle of winter and I ended up uh, 17th in the world. Yeah. Right. And and it kind of started you on a whole new path, right? Like you did, yeah. You've made this into a story, right? Tell tell me about that. Yeah, I came back from from Poland and I was, you know, walking down the hallway in my apartment building <clears throat> and my neighbor uh saw me and he's like, Hey, where you been? I haven't seen you for a while. And I was like, well, I was arm wrestling in Poland. And he's like, what would you tell? What, what do you mean? And I explained the whole thing. And he said, well, that sounds like a magazine story. Yeah. And I was like, well, what, uh, how do you, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. And it turns out that my neighbor was Bill Goggins, who was the executive editor of Wired at the time. Mm. He helped me write that pitch uh, told me, you know, this is what a pitch has to have. And I sent it to a few editors and ended up selling it to Maxim, which was my first national magazine story. My kind of interest expanded from there. And I ended up pretty quickly um, going to Iraq to cover the war for for Wired. Wow. Uh, and And they basically just didn't have anybody else. And at that point, they did ask for my qualifications. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm the fourth-ranked arm wrestler in the United States. <laughs> I'm 17th in the world. But it was it was both terrifying to be there, but also pretty thrilling as a young reporter to be on a story that nobody else was paying any attention to. Right. Wow. And I have to say, just like for origin stories, if someone entering the world of storytelling, that's got to be <laughs> the best I've heard through, <laughs> through arm wrestling. And now, you know, dozens or heck, maybe what, hundreds of stories later, 
you know, all these stories that have become books and movies. And I, I guess one of the bigger meteor questions I want to get right into is that, you know, since that day when you're out looking for like, what's your next story, whether it's an article or a larger project, or you're like, oh, that would be a, you know, a really good movie. What are some of those intangible qualities that, you know, someone who's maybe new to this, like, what are the things that give you a big internal green light? Like, hey, I have to pursue this story. I guess the core thing is surprise. Uh, that's what I'm always calibrating myself for. Am mm. I surprised? Like this morning, uh, I walked into the kitchen and my 12-year-old uh, was watching a YouTube video. I was like, what is, what is this about? It's like an animated, cartoony, nonfiction story. There's a video telling the story of a World War II pilot. Hmm. My boy's really, really, really into World War II. And so that's par for the course and, and even more reason to tell him to turn it down because he's just constantly watching you, you know, World War II videos. Mm -hmm. But then uh, he's like, this is a story of this fighter ace, British fighter ace in World War II who didn't have any legs. And because he didn't have any legs, he could do much more intense G-force turns because when you're flying in a plane you're, and you hit G-force, all your blood goes to your legs and you wow. black out. But if oh, you wow. don't have any legs, you can, you can handle more Gs. And so wow. this guy was just killing it in the air, literally, like killing these Germans yeah. in ways that other British pilots couldn't until he got shot down. And then it's a big problem because now he can't really get out of the plane and get anywhere. Right. He had it. So he gets out. He has a prosthetic leg. And you see, like, uh, you know, the story keeps going. But at a certain point, you, you never know where the story is going to come from. And I was like, holy shit, that is a crazy story. Like, that's a really <laughs> yeah. good story. Yeah. Why hasn't anybody made that movie? Right. I know you probably didn't expect that we'd be talking about a legless uh, fighter ace in hey, World War Two. Perfect, but example. you never know, right? It's like yeah. you just have to be open uh, to the surprise. <laughs> yeah, and these things can they can come from really anywhere. But I love that you know the idea of the unexpected. You know, surprise the unexpected. Something that in the day where we're so overloaded with you know digital information or everybody wants our attention it has to be something that's surprising or unexpected that stops us in our scrolling tracks right to be like okay yeah. this is worth my attention and you know i think even beyond that i'd love to talk about like um you know other things when you're when you're looking for a story you know one of the the themes or archetypes i know you responded to specifically with one project uh, in particular, called Spare Parts, it's the idea of the underdog story. And I wonder if you could talk about, you know, the power of that archetype or theme, um, you know, and, and how you ended up responding to this press release that nobody else did because you you saw something there. Mm, and, like, yeah. and what is that thing? And how do themes or archetypes like that help guide you in terms of the stories that you want to pursue? It's a good question. And it's a bit of a... Some of it's operating below the surface. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I my first book was was called The Underdog, and it was about arm wrestling. It's where it started. Sure. And <laughs> uh, you know, I never expected to 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 go anywhere as an arm wrestler. Uh, 
And in, oh, let's see, it was oh four, right after the war, uh, I, I started getting, I became a contributing editor at Wired. And so I started getting a lot of press releases. In, I think it was October of oh four, I get this press release that's an absolute mess, total disaster. It's got spelling errors and syntax problems, and it's from a high school in Phoenix. And it was hard to understand. They had built a robot, but it was unclear what had occurred. And I almost deleted it, but I then just kind of left it in my inbox. And a couple months later, it popped back into my head because it was surprising. I, mm. I don't get press releases from high schools. Right. Uh, and so I looked it up and again, and there was a phone number. And I called the phone number and got through to the teacher of this high school robotics team. And he told me that he had sent that press release out to hundreds of journalists across the country, and I was the only one who had responded. Wow. And it was the story of the, these four teenagers who had been born in Mexico, came across the border as, as children, undocumented, and ended up at this Phoenix area high school, Carl Hayden Community High School. Uh, and went on to build an underwater robot out of garbage wow. that that ended up beating MIT to win the national collegiate level robotics championship wow. as high schoolers. Uh, it wasn't, that story wasn't super clear to me from the press release, but became very clear to me when I went out to visit them. Okay. And it just somehow, yeah, it, it's a deep question. Why did why didn't anybody else respond? Why was I the only one? Um, and then once it came out, once I wrote it, I wrote a story about it in Wired, and then I published, a, turned it into a book because there was a lot more to say. Uh, and then it became a movie with Marissa Tomei and Jamie Lee Curtis uh, at Lionsgate. Right. And um, yeah, it, it once you, you know, I, I was, I, what I just said, when I boiled it down to its essence, you're like, oh, I see, it's it's an underdog story. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and this is true of, of pretty much every story, it's, it takes a little time often to realize it's a story. And when we do editorial meetings at Epic, we'll, there'll be a story and I'll be like, I don't like it, I don't, I don't see it. And then somebody will pitch it again in a couple of weeks and I'll be like, Oh, maybe there's something there. Keep working on it. Mm-hmm. And they'll keep refining it until they get to the essence of it. Cause yeah. that's part of the challenge of storytelling is trying to get to that juicy, you know, emotional dramatic place with the story. Right. And I'm glad you say emotional because we, you know, hear this again and again. And, and, you know, in the course of our work, for sure, it's like, unless you have, emotion you know i think surprise like pulls people in and then you've got to make them hence the name of our podcast right content that moves it's about moving people in an emotional way and i think you know you've found that and i think you're right like sometimes this stuff is working below the surface and you're not consciously seeking out a specific thing but you can feel it right when you have something and that just reveals itself over time um you know i in addition to your own projects and obviously you know with wired you've got stories being pitched to you and you know at at epic too but when you know let's say you know i've 
been able to see a little bit of, you know, your work for some notable brands, you know, com- commission work. And I'd love to hear how, when you are working with brands, um, you know, and, and they, they come to you with some sort of mandate, you know, what are you, where do you go to start, sh- you know, shaking the story tree or where do you go to start looking um, to find that? And maybe even through the lens of one of the recent projects that I think a lot of people are familiar with because it had a big, you know, distribution via Hulu is is a woman's place, um, which is a half hour documentary that follows three women. And we'll have links to this in our show notes here, but that have all faced, you know, challenges of either, you know, gender discrimination or harassment in the commercial food and restaurant industry. So I guess using that as a lens, you know, to start with, like, what sort of mandate did the brand come to you with or do they normally come to you with? And, and was it certain brand values that they were hoping to tell stories that would help illuminate or what was sort of the mandate from them? And then how did you translate that into a story search? And then where did you go to find those? Right. Well, in the case of A Woman's Place, it was with KitchenAid. And they came to us and said, we, there is a, a, a pretty glaring problem in the restaurant business, which is that there aren't uh, the, the percentages between men and women restaurateurs is, is tweaked. Um, there aren't enough women restaurateurs. Uh, and so can you help us explore why that is, find stories of women who are out there doing it and highlight the challenges that they face mm-hmm. and the success that they've had. And, and so it was a pretty clear Mm-hmm. Pretty clear mandate, uh, and that kind of thing is is great for us. We so Epic, uh, Epic has a, a number of parts. There's we go out and find original stories that we publish via Epic Magazine, uh, and we then oftentimes adapt them into movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the original idea behind the company was to support this investigative journalism with the back end of film and TV sales by Mm. partnering with interesting directors and writers to adapt the story into a different media. Sure. Uh, And, and we use the resources as that business grew to uh, build out a team of story hunters. And so I started hiring people and training them to do what I had been doing for the past 20 years, which is just traveling around the world, finding interesting stories. And, and so it's, it was kind of a, I didn't go to journalism school. And, and so I kind of had to create a certain version of, of investigative journalism school for the story hunters and, and then send them out into the world to, to learn by doing. And Mm. that team of story hunters has grown quite a bit. And and by the time KitchenAid came to us a year and a half ago, uh, we had a pretty robust team who were very experienced, and and it was a really fun assignment because it was basically go around the U.S. and and beyond. Uh, we one of the stories w- ended up taking us to the U.K. and just go to restaurants, just go walk into a lot of restaurants, uh, ask questions. It's real boots on the ground reporting. Seriously, and, wow! Yeah, uh, in multiple cities across the U.S. and uh, and just talk to people. And this is something that 
I have found in the brand world, uh, which is, is certainly different than the journalism world, in the brand world, there's a lot of emphasis and focus on uh, the execution and the production. Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps less on the, the underlying power, the underlying raw material of the story. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've yeah. seen that yeah. time and time again. And I think it's because it's a, sh it's a big shift in mindset, right? I mean, a lot of people working at the brand level, usually it's more of a marketing or advertising background than a journalism or story finding background. So it's like, we're going to make this thing. And so you really have to shift the mindset to be like, we need to find incredibly compelling stories before we go investing, you know, thousands and sometimes millions of dollars in producing something. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. that's a shift that's happening now and I'm, I'm glad you, you bring that up. Yeah. So that, that's, that's really at the crux of it. You, you've got to, you've got to fill the, the pipeline. You've got to fill your story chest with lots and lots of really great <laughs> stories. Uh, and so that's what we did with this particular project and came back with um, really powerful stories of women who were running their own businesses and, and restaurants and pursuing their careers. That That's how that came to be. And, uh, and, and I think it, in part because it was r true stories, the brand itself, uh, KitchenAid, has a, a credit in the opening sequence, but it's, you don't see KitchenAid in, you know, there's no, it's not like all of a sudden one of the chefs turns to camera <laughs> and right next to her, there's a, a beautiful KitchenAid range um, yeah. or what, you know, any kind of KitchenAid products at all, certainly not deliberately. And, and I think that's part of the reason why it, it works so well and, and actually ends up achieving the yeah. end goal. Yeah. And it's of, and it, of elevating KitchenAid. Right. And we're talking about brand affinity and affiliation. Like it's not necessarily a direct sales tool. It'll probably translate to that eventually. But I think that's the thing that is always the balance. You know, traditional marketing advertising says we have to place the product this many times or see the logo. And um, there's a whole spectrum there. And I think we've seen that a lot of the most successful, if you want to distribute them in the way that people actually consume entertainment, this is the route you've got to, you've got to go. Um, but I do want to jump back to something you said, cause it's super interesting to me. And I think to talk about some actionable advice for folks that are listening that are, are looking for stories. You said you trained it. You've got a trained group of story hunters. What are you tell like when they started? What, what are you telling them? Like, what are you saying? Go look for this and this and this. And, and then when they're out there, like, how are you evaluating what they find too? So there's some kind of like rules of thumb, which is you should be able to tell whatever the story is. You should be able to tell it around a campfire. <laughs> nice. How stories uh, were first told, right? Yeah, how exactly. that's how we're wired for them. That's, yeah. yeah, and if and and ideally, you know, you do it live, and then you tell it live, and you watch your listeners, and you can see beat by beat if their attention wanders. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, and you have to make mental notes. Okay, at this point, I'm I'm not hitting the target, so I've got to, you know. And a lot of it's about suspense. Hmm. There's, you know, so there's, you set up the surprise 
And then you don't answer the surprise. You don't answer the mystery that the surprise has engendered immediately. Right. You, you play it out. That's great. I love the campfire bit because that is like, if you can't communicate it this way, how's it going to translate to anything, right? Um, right? Are there other sort of core tenets or principles that you, that you send them with? Or is that sort of the main one? And then you um, go from there. There's definitely get out of the office. Right. You're you're not really going to find a story sitting behind a computer. Yes, you can, you know, social media maybe, but really the best best way is to go to like donuts and coffee after a church session and just talk to people. Mm. Or a synagogue or a bar or go to uh the racetrack or go you know, any place where people congregate and are in, tend to be in a kind of a storytelling mode already, you know? Right. Open up your curiosity, basically. That's great. And pretty refreshing, too, how, like, analog that is in a a digital world. And there's so much value in just talking to people versus asking Google (laughs) 20 times, right? The same thing over and over again. Um, That's so funny. Google and the web in general can be a good jumping off point to sure. go find those live events yeah or you know to to find some a lead and then but then get on the phone or go talk to the person well and one of the things too that i found really helpful especially for you know people at bigger brands that are are listening to this you know not too long ago we did a project with ecolab and of course like many big b2b companies you know, they're telling stories about their customers for their customers so that their audience sees themselves in the protagonist role. And a great way to do that is like, wow, you've got this army of, uh, you've got the sales force who are talking to all these people on a person-to-person basis every day and to arm, you know, your sales force with some sort of story finding skill set to go out and be like, okay, let's, like you said, I love that term, let's keep the story chest full. Well, here's one way to do that. We can send them out and then, you know, start collecting right and give them a few parameters and and then the evaluation side and so let's say you you know you're i imagine you got far more than the three that are featured how did you pare that down and you know with casting in general let's say you had whatever it is you can tell me five or ten or fifteen sort of finalists for a woman's place like for me it's a bit intuitive but also a bit strategic like how did you land on those three when you had like your select uh, larger number uh they there were a lot of really compelling stories we went to benson harbor in michigan and i think we presented it might have been as many as i want to say 12 or 15 mm. stories um and and then let KitchenAid choose. That they it was kind of like who who did they think? Mm-hmm. You know, I I thought they I I liked <laughs> I liked all the stories. I mean, at a certain point, if you're working within a 30 minute documentary medium, you've got to pare it down, and you you only have so many resources. So, um, they, you know, they 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 got to make the call. Cool. I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of of I mean, I really over the years of of the brand work that that I've done it's been quite fun to come in and say look you guys you guys have amazing stories to work with 
Yeah. You know, let me tell yeah. you this one. Let me tell you that one. I mean, you know, the rest of my team will tell you these other stories and, um, and it's, it's, I call it story time. <laughs> it's yeah. one of my favorite things. Do you build a campfire and, when you're doing it? Yeah, That's I would. The yeah. The security <laughs> team won't let me do it. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. I suppose you'd have a few sprinklers going off in some of those office buildings, but it would be its own story. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, well, that's, that's really helpful, I think, you know, as people start to develop that mindset and what we're looking for. I think we've touched on some really great things to be looking for. Um, I mean, I guess in addition to, you know, there's there's no replacement for getting out there and talking to people. Um, let's say someone is, you know, just starting to, to build out m- more of a content calendar or an editorial calendar and they need some stories. Um you know, what's the, the first step? Like, let's say you don't have the resources to send, you know, 20 people out boots on the ground style. Where would you say someone who's just starting out with maybe a more modest budget or resources, what, what advice would you have in terms of just getting started and in finding some stories to fill up that, that story chest? Uh, hire us, (laughs) you know, and even if you do have a big team, uh, and we've worked with with quite a few big teams, both on the marketing side and the communication side. Um, when you're on the inside, it's sometimes hard to have the perspective of like what what is actually a good story versus what is a you know a, a kind of a traditional press release or self a self serving story self serving right. correct yeah. and yeah. and so we've worked with both small startups and and some and all and many of the world's largest companies and it's it's that process and you know in either case the skill set of going out to random towns and talking to a million people is not necessarily something that comms or marketing um, internal teams want to be doing or should be doing Right. Um, it's a good thing to outsource, frankly, uh, for yeah. that reason. Yeah. No, it's important to have that, I think, that third-party view, you know, someone who's not inside uh, the day-to-day. And, and, then, and then, you know, from that point of view of the company, to have someone bring back some stories, and then they can go like, oh, these are all great, but this one and this one really resonate because of X brand history yep. story or value or we have a new initiative that really is we need to inspire people around this particular theme so i think that's a great point to say like no matter you know what it is get some some outside uh eyes and ears and you know story finding senses on it and then let them bring you some things to evaluate i think that's a a good call and i think just in general working on a mindset that starts to recognize and i think probably working with you know someone outside the company will help you develop that story spidey sense as it were right and over time you Mm -hmm. just start to recognize like oh this will be really compelling because of x piece of their narrative or whatever it is we've definitely also done workshops for marketing and comms teams at google and ford and ibm and ge where we come in and say okay look for your internal teams, here's how you go about it. Here are some examples of how to tackle it. Here's ways to get better. Um, here's things to think about as if, tailored to your specific company. Yep. Um, yep. 
to, to try to get people thinking in that way. And that's huge. And that's exactly what we did with, with Ecolab as well. It's like, let's arm the people that are out there talking to people every day with just a few basic ideas and skills and things to ask for. And then, man, your story chest can get filled up uh, pretty quickly. And then you can evaluate where what's worth spending all those execution and production and distribution dollars on. Because, you know, we've all seen a whole lot of money spent on something that, you know, gets put up on YouTube and just doesn't do what you know, everyone hoped it would. And, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but the first one, finding the best story. So yeah, the first step. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing your, your background and perspective and a few of those, uh, key ideas. I think that'll be super helpful for folks. Cool. Happy, happy to talk. To learn more about Josh and his work at Epic, head over to epicmagazine.com. To view A Woman's Place from Josh and KitchenAid, give it a search on Hulu or head to kitchenaid.com backslash awomansplace.html. And last but not least, it's time to get real excited for our next episode when I'll speak to Scott Ballou from a brand that's been one of the biggest inspirations in the world of brand storytelling for years. I'm talking about Yeti Coolers. So be sure to watch for that one very soon.